Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. Hey there. Yeah, it's Dr. P here, and it's been a couple of months since I recorded a podcast. It's been a pretty difficult last two, three months for everybody out there, including me. You know, prior to this thing really, this epidemic really boiling over, I was keeping my positive mentality going, thinking, eh, it'll be okay, we'll get past this, America always does. A couple of months, well, I'll be back to work, and, um, you know, capitalism will continue on. I'll work hard, you'll work hard, we'll make some money, we'll spend time with our families, we'll go out to sporting events and to beaches and outside exercise, We'll be in the gym working out. Our economy will kick back in and, you know, we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. But, um, yeah, that hasn't happened. And uh, in my own clinical practice, of course, I've been open since the beginning. And I've noticed just how difficult it is for people to function during this time. And, you know, the physical health has taken a massive beating, which has really angered me and frustrated me watching people implode because their mind is spinning from the hatred and all the fear that's being spewed everywhere. Social media to the to those media outlets, you know, just shame on them. They make me sick to my stomach. I can't believe it. So I was sitting one afternoon in my business and a gentleman walked in who I have a tremendous respect for. His name is Rick. And I was kind of asking him for his opinion. Do you think this is something for me to address on the podcast? Because I'm struggling like crazy because I'm so angry. And he said, well, you know, you have to make that decision. But if I were you, Pete, I would get back on there and, and give your opinion. You're an American. You get just as much rights to be able to speak your mind. And maybe people need to hear it, so... Kind of sat on that for maybe a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and deciding where am I and why does my message matter? In other words, who are you and why does your message matter? And I kind of came to this conclusion that, you know, I, I feel as though others have protected my right to speak. And I mean, people who have fought for this country, for its independence, and to keep us safe. And so we look at all the wars that were fought and all the soldiers, male and female, that gave their lives for us so that we could speak out. You know, and this is not the time to bow your heads and stick your head between your butt like you're on a plane ready to crash, kissing your ass goodbye, as they say. This is not that time. I thought it was for me because I didn't want to get myself in any trouble and I didn't want any trouble for me and my family, but... Through Rick's advice, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Let's just get it out there. So I want you to know who I am. I'm a white man around uh, at the age of 55. I have worked hard in my lifetime. I put myself through school. I have a family. I have kids. It has never been easy, and I've struggled, but I've also triumphed at the same time. I vote independent, and I pick whoever or whichever platform and their policies seem to match my needs and my values. That's it. In this current environment, it certainly is not the Democratic Party and the far left. I have learned through a lot of this that my values and views are highly conservative. 
I want babies to survive. I want people to be able to worship. I want to have my, my first and second amendment rights upheld. I want law and order. I want so many things that my father wanted for me and that my grandfather wanted for him. These are the things that I want as an American living in the U.S. of A. Now, if you want to cancel me for that, that's your business. But I'm not going to apologize one single bit for who I am and for the way I feel. But I will promise you this, that I will never, never attack you for what your views are. I have no problem sitting down and having a conversation about what you believe. If what you believe is what I believe, then we'll share a cup of tea. And if you don't believe what I believe and I listen to you, I'm okay with that too. We'll have a cup of tea. I have plenty of intelligent, educated people that come into my office that do not share my values, but do have that sense of conversation and, and, you know, we can share with each other how we feel about what's going on. And at the end of the day, I've become really aware of what's happening right now. You know, division and hate is being spewed everywhere. And of course, if you're a conservative, you'd say it's the far left Democrat like me. That's what I would say. But if you're a liberal, you'll say it's Donald Trump. And I, what am I going to say? You know, it's not here to argue. It's just that we're on two different sides of the fence. And this is why we have a democracy in America, so we can debate things. Unfortunately, now there's no more debate. It's like, you don't believe what I believe, then I will hit you over the head. I will cancel you. I will make sure that you lose your job and you can no longer support your family. I will pull the wool out from underneath you because you don't believe like me. That is a crappy place to live. Very crappy place to live. I'm really disappointed with our leadership. And listen, I'm not going to talk about the Donald Trump or the liberal. I'm just going to put them all together. Our real enemy is not each other, people. As Americans, we're just people who get up and we love our families and we move forward each day trying to make it a little bit better. And now look at us. So many of America is completely divided and angry. There's so much hate and, and dissension. It's, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, where on earth does all this come from? But you know, like a big snow globe, there's a big glass umbrella or ceiling sitting over Washington, D.C. And that is the sickest, most disgusting place on the planet. In my view, and because I still have the First Amendment to protect my right to speech, then I get to say that. But what's going on in Washington is disgusting. It's like watching five or six hundred children battle it out in a play in, in on a playground, sitting in a sandbox, screaming at each other. I thought these people were supposed to be intelligent, well educated, and compassionate, and understand that we all need to work together. You know, at fifty-five years of age, this white man here on the on the on the uh, on the podcast is telling you, I have never seen it like this. And my mom, she's 92. She's never seen it like this. What on earth is going on? And it started to hit me that there's this massive power struggle and a lot of, a lot of power grab and greed and lust and envy, which is in Washington. And they're puking it out on the rest of us. They're probably sitting back right now, laughing their ass off, looking at all of us and going, look at these idiots. These people are stupid, but look at them. 
They hate each other. They're they're throwing gaffs at each other. They're burning down cities. You know, everybody's blaming everybody for everything. Now we've got them so screwed up, they can't even go outside the house without feeling like they're going to get attacked. Like, what? And then they laugh about it. They think it's hilarious behind the scenes. And why wouldn't they? They got all the money. They got all the guns. They got the ability to say whatever the hell they want, whenever they want. That's just simply not fair. America needs to wake up and take a really good look at what we're doing right now. We're not building anything. Nothing's being built. It, at least it doesn't appear that way. What we have now is a takedown, tear it down culture. And whether that's Washington disseminating it or us who are, who are eating it, we need to stop eating this crap. We need to get back to just enjoying each other. Listen, this whole movement, this Black Lives Matter and Antifa thing, once that started to manifest itself, you look around and go, what the hell is, what is this? What's going on here? Let me tell you, I, I don't understand the whole hatred of who I am or who you are because of skin color. I didn't grow up that way. My parents didn't teach me to hate anybody, let alone a black or a brown person. Yeah, I'm a white person. I, I, I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me. And it just angers me when I look at it to think that we just categorize each other and throw each other under the bus whenever we can. Why? You know, all, you know, it's like Black Lives Matter. Listen, that three words, right? Those are beautiful words. They really are. Because black lives do matter. You know, and you know what I'm going to say. That there are a lot of lives that matter. You I mean, every life that breathes matters. Every white, every brown, every red, every yellow, every black. They all matter. What the hell are we talking about? How all of a sudden we come politicizing what the good Lord made? That's dumb. It makes no sense. You know, when you look at, I'm looking at Black Lives Matter and I'm listening to the people in charge and they're not telling us that Black Lives Matter and we need to get together in solidarity and love and care for each other. They say we need to beat the shit out of everybody. We need to kill Whitey and we need to create chaos and anarchy wherever we can. So really, is it Black Lives Matter or is that just a slogan for something disgusting going on behind the scenes to take power in America and divide us significantly? so that we can change the entire system so that America is no longer recognizable and that we're in serious, serious trouble. You know, it's a strange thing because America was in trouble, has been in trouble during certain times in our years, I mean, in, in our country. They bring it back to the 1860s, you know, when Lincoln was fighting like crazy to try to ratify the 13th Amendment to abolish slavery. Yeah, our country has gone through some awful times and we did some just awful things. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. You weren't a victim of it. But our history says that we were. And it's true. It has happened. Slavery was an abomination and it was terrible. And even in the Declaration of Independence, it states that all men are created equal. Our government did not, l l what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it didn't live up to its creed. It didn't do that, unfortunately. And for years, there was a struggle where the black men and women and children were just, you know, their lives were, were miserable, absolutely miserable, awful thing to have to live through. But then the 1860s comes, and now we have a white man who comes from the woods of Illinois, and he wants to make a difference because he knows the difference between right and wrong. He understands that there's a God-given right to live in a country free. He understands that, and he wants to bring that back, 
right? That's really an important, important message. So what happens? Well, the sins of America come face to face with the new reality, the fork in the road, where now you are either with us to abolish this slavery or you're not. And what happened? A, an awful war. 600,000 men lost their lives trying to change this country and put it back on track again so that we could become the best nation in the world. Not the most perfect nation in the world because there's no such thing, but we strive each day to be better and better and better. Do the best we possibly can to improve the quality of the lives of people around us. You know, I'm from Boston and I watched them take down the statue of Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, what? Abraham Lincoln was an amazing man of total self-sacrifice. He fought like crazy to end this abomination known as slavery. And yet we're tearing down his statues. That tells me that whatever's being told to us is not virtuous. It's not even correct. We're not tearing these statues down to uh, because of George Floyd and that the police officer creating this this wave of genocide against the black man. Come on, man. Listen, I got so many people I've interacted with and are friends with that are of different color than me, and they don't feel that way. Listen, if it's happened to you, I feel sorry, but it's happened to white people and brown people and black people alike. This, there's, a, there's a power play going on right now, and it's disgusting. And if I get back to Lincoln, I can only think of how beautiful that man's Gettysburg address was. I'm going to bring you back there for a moment. You may not even know this story. Or maybe you do. I hope you do. But in this, this simple Pennsylvania town of Gettysburg, there's a massive battle that takes place. I mean, 30, 40,000 men are just slaughtered. They're fighting like crazy. <clears throat> and at the end of the battle, within days of the battle, actually it was probably weeks of the battle, Lincoln comes to give a, a speech. And the man who speaks before him speaks for almost three hours. That's what they did back then. They didn't have the internet and all other kinds of ways of communicating. So they always had these speakers. So the speaker gets up and he gives a long dissertation and the place goes, you know, really crazy. And here comes President Lincoln. He stands up there for three minutes, just three simple minutes, while he speaks 272 words, which still leave me speechless. I just, I'm exhausted after reading it. I just want to cry because it's such a powerful, powerful oration. A man with the weight of the world on his back. He just watched 600,000 people die of bloodshed and sickness and, and murder and, and just mayhem. It's war. That's what it brings. It's terrible, terrible. And he utters these words, which are just Awesome. So I want to read them to you because maybe you haven't heard them since high school and maybe they never meant anything to you. But the first thing I want you to know is that when he wrote this, he knew that the North is victorious and will continue to finish the war in victory. He knows it's imminent, the writings on the wall, but he doesn't talk that way. He doesn't say things like, hey, you know, hey, South, we just kicked your ass. Now get in line and shut up because we're going to dominate you. What he did was he was a unifier. He brought us together in a sense of humility. And that's the way the Gettysburg Address was. Very, very powerful. And he's literally bringing us back to the Declaration of Independence. He's calling upon government and all of us to understand that all men are created equal. That's what the Declaration of Independence says. 
So when he begins his speech by saying four score and seven years ago, a score is 20, four scores is 80. If you go four score and seven years, 87 years, and if you remove that from the 1860 three or four when he gave that speech, it brings you back to 1776. It's a cryptic message for you to understand that he believes that all men are created equal. Unfortunately, there was a major issue at the time. So listen to his words for a moment. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth onto this continent, a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives, that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they here Gave the, gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Soak that up for a minute. That was spoken by one of the greatest Americans ever who saw the injustice and tried to put our country back on track again. And for those who believe that America is nothing but an abomination, a shithole, if I can say that, a place where racism dominates and that no one is allowed to prosper unless they're white. Wow. I think we're off track. I think we're off track. I think what we need to do is to at least be aware that there are forces that are trying to divide us and bring us back to those days. People come to America because it's the greatest country, not only now, but forever on this planet, because more people have had more opportunity than in any other place in the world. And that America today is going through a new battle. A new battle to grab control. And if you love America, then you got to stand up and speak. 
You got to get strong. You got to get tough. That's what America's made of. Because there's an ugly, ugly thing going on that's trying to seize everything of America, destroy it, and then create some new, crazy, socialist, utopian society where government controls everything. It has never worked. It won't work. America wasn't founded on that. And we need to stop hating each other and start coming together. We need to show the real enemy, which appears to be, at least in my estimation, our lawmakers. And let's just put them all together because I don't want to divide you or me. You can cancel me if you want and turn me off. You're welcome to do that. But I'm not going to do that to you. I just simply want you to know that if we come together, the people of America, if we come together as a nation, if we learn to get back to respecting each other and stop trying to hurt each other, then our government officials are going to have to listen to us. And if they don't, well, then out they go. We need to use the vote instead of the gun to get equality. And we can do it. So those are the feelings that I have today. And yeah, I want to go forward, right? I want to I want to get back to inspiring people and allowing them to think beyond where we are today. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is there hope? Well, the answer is yes. And I want to share something with you. I recently was in Davenport, Iowa at the graduate school that I went to with my very close friend, Shoni. And of course, the school is closed. We had a chance to go view a few of the rooms, just him and I. It was 30 years since we've been there. But two of his young kids are now doctors-to-be. And sitting with them and conversing with them and seeing how much, or witnessing, excuse me, just how passionate these young people are, they want a country where they can build their own little piece of happiness and, and security and freedom and develop families and keep the American dream going. That literally filled my heart up. I felt again like America's still worth it. It'll always be worth it. It'll go through dark times like slavery, like uh, civil war, like 9-11s and terror attacks. There's a lot of things that try to take America out. But we are one tough son of a bitch nation. And not because of our government, but because of us, the people. Because the government is made of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's us that own this country. It is us that have built this country. And it better not be us that destroy it. We just need to dream and have the passion and that excitement that I witnessed in those young people wanting to become doctors, wanted to make a better life for themselves and for people around them. It was just so uplifting and I hadn't had an uplifting feeling or an emotion in, in a number of months and I had no idea that that was going to happen. These two people are Grant and Delaney. So I just want to say hi to them and I'm very proud of you guys and I hope you continue on your journey. And I hope you take the reins and keep America on the, on the straight and narrow. We're all going to make mistakes. America's going to make a few more. But unfortunately, if we don't get back to just caring for each other and bringing love back into our community, there will be no America. 
So that's what I got for you today. Keep your head up. It's not over yet. We've got a long way to go. There's still a lot of joy and happiness to be won over. We're going to get there. But we need the right attitude. And it is not hate and destruction. It is forgiveness and love. I'll see you next week on the Daily Inspirational Podcast.